We are uh, gonna pick up where we left off in 2 Corinthians this morning, and we're just gonna see where we go. I might go really fast, or I might just stop part of the way through. <laughs> okay, so be warned. But we're gonna pick up in this, in this book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, we talked about the 1 Corinthians being the church, and then the 2 Corinthians, this idea of doing life together. And just by way of recap, because it's been a few weeks for me, I told uh, Claude this morning, my, my mind's like a blank slate. You know, it's like, the etch sketches all silver again. And I'm like, what were you doing again? We talked about the idea that everyone hurts. Uh, the, the letter of 2 Corinthians is great for all Christians to speak truth to our lives, that everyone hurts in this life, that plans do change, that we are forgiving people, and that we are letters from Christ. And, and those are kind of some of the fundamentals we come into this. And then the last thing we talked about was how we serve as a church. And the word's diakonos, as you'll recall, and it means that we get to serve, not that we have to serve. And, and when I shared that a few weeks ago, a lot of you responded and said, man, that's a great thing to keep in mind. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. What an honor and a privilege it is to be able to serve. And I don't mean in the church, I mean anywhere, anyone, right? That we have the ability and the opportunity to serve in that way. And then we, but we talked about diakonos, how we serve. And then, and then you might wanna wonder, was well, that all there is to a Christian life? Just serving, 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 right? I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, idea before. Um, a, another pastor quoted this to me years ago and he said, um, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I, I felt a little offended. <laughs> I remember I was like a read in the window, like, what? <laughs> preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words? I mean, it sounded like an indictment, right? Like, you should show the gospel by how you live. And we talked about that, that you might be the only letter from Christ that people read, right? They're, they're watching, or that you might... Um, you, the way we serve, we don't have to, we get to, and that we demonstrate. Have you ever heard someone say that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, right? He died on the cross, but we're his hands and feet in the world. And, and that's fair, but guess what? I've heard that statement, um, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words attributed to St. Francis Assisi. If you don't know who St. Francis Assisi is, he's the guy who's always has the bird on his hand, <laughs> okay, and, and, and people think that's because he was a nature lover, right? They like the, you know, happy earth day and, you know, like the ecologist and stuff like that. But actually the history of this is that he would preach in the park to the point that there was no one left to preach to you but the birds. <laughs> in other words, it wasn't that he didn't say the gospel. It was that he said the gospel so much to many people that all that was left were the animals. Maybe even his preaching ran people off. Can you imagine such a thing as that? And so he's preaching to the birds then, but guess what? There's no historicity to, historicity, is that a word? To St. Francis of Assisi saying this. Why do we love that saying? Because it means I just get to live my life, me and Jesus, and I don't have to tell anybody anything. But I wonder, is that all there is? Is that all there is to the Christian life? Just living a good life and letting the cards fall where they may. Well, today we're gonna get into God's word and we're gonna hear that it's not just doing the word, but it is indeed, church, saying the word. And so pray with me. We're gonna get into the word and we'll, we'll see where we go today. But Father God, I thank you so much for the chance to be gathered together as your people, praying again to you that you would condescend, that you would come to us and teach us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we might glean something valuable for our life practically from you, and that we might... Um, live in a manner more glorifying to you. We confess, and we've confessed it today already to you in prayer, that we are sinners, that we are fallen short of your glory. And yet, in your abundant love, you call us out 
of sin into life and out of brokenness into wholeness. And so today, Father, as you would, be our teacher, be our guide, give us wisdom to understand your word and then the ability to live it out. May our presumptions be challenged today because we've encountered the one who's written all things in our hearts. We pray you would do this work to the power and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So go ahead and turn to chapter four of 2 Corinthians, verse 13, or on your phones. We have a Wi-Fi here. You can get on there and check it out there too. And we're picking up kind of halfway through this, um, this chapter, but I'm gonna start right there. 13, Paul says this. It is written, quote, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. A little bit of background here. You'll recall that, church, that Paul's writing on behalf of himself and Timothy and Titus to the church in Corinth, right? And he's going to visit them again, but he wants them to understand some things about the gospel. And he's been kind of pressing into that. And he says then, here's a quote, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. That's actually from a psalm. I think it's Psalm 116, if I'm not mistaken. But then he says this, with that same spirit of faith or the spirit given faith, we also believe, right? And therefore we also speak. Why? Verse 14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you, Corinthians or church, in his own presence. I'm just going to, well, let's read 15 and then we'll talk about this real quick. 15, all this is for your benefit, church, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving, Eucharisto, to overflow to the glory of God. So Paul's going to encapsulate their ministry, right, their diaconos, their service, how we serve into this manifestation. And what is beautiful is that he says the manifestation is because they believe that they speak. I want to say to you this morning that believing is speaking. Believing is speaking. You know how I know this is true? We live in a culture where we speak about things we care about. This morning, Dale got up here and he shared with you some convictions he has about the United States and how it was formed and, and what we're about as a nation. It's the 4th of July and what we're celebrating, what we've forgotten and what, you know, because he cares deeply about those things and he's trying to communicate that. Maybe you don't stand up in front of the church and speak, but how many of you buy stuff on Amazon? And then after you bought it, you really don't like a product. You might leave a review. You really do like a product. <laughs> you might leave a review. Dale mentioned that this Supreme Court decisions have been coming bam, 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 one after the other, and the country just feels like it's in turmoil. But guess what? Everybody's talking about it because they believe it. They have something they want to say. We actually say the things that we believe. As a matter of fact, I would say that if you were serendipitous, serendipitously, ser whatever, secretly recorded, you would probably hear yourself saying things and go, is that really what I believe? Like, not when someone gives you the questions ahead of time for the test, but in the heat of the moment, the things you say, is that what you actually believe? Do you speak your faith? Um, I've told you before that, that I've spent time with friends and I've loved them deeply, but there comes a point in, the, in time in the relationship where, and some of you, it's early, you say, Jesus, right out the gate. You're like, like Jesus, like I didn't even ask a question yet. That's okay, Jesus. That's, when you ask the question, that's going to be the answer is Jesus. But some of us, we build relationships and we walk with people and we journey and then they're like, I'm so grieved, who can help? And then it's like, Jesus, <laughs> right? But at some point, you have to say the words, 
we actually do communicate the things that we believe. And we're doing it all the time. As a matter of fact, Paul says it's, very, it's because we believe that we speak. We speak from our faith. We speak from what we know. And I want to lean in on this a little bit because I want to say that the, this is why, and um, Jeremiah Project talking about reading the Bible in a year. We're doing the same thing. We've been doing it for several years. Though some of us participating in that process of reading the Bible in a year. That getting the word of God into us gives us an opportunity to um, be changed, to have to, to speak the words of faith. I promise you this, someone said recently, I've read the Bible, I just don't understand it. I, can, I wanna encourage you to read the Bible and have questions. It's okay, but keep reading the Bible. You don't have to understand it, just keep getting it in there. And this is not about programming, it's about talking, it's about a conversation with God, right? It's a letter, it's a dialogue for the Holy Spirit in us. It's like, what do you actually believe? And guess what? My testimony to you is this, that in the middle of the battle, in the heat of the moment, the words will come back. The words of life, when the world says death. The words of hope, the words of hope, whenever the world says despondency, be hopeless. <laughs> that there's some through line that comes from the gospel alone that causes us to counteract the words that the world might say to us. Paul says, we speak because we believe. Look at what it says then in 14. Listen, just listen to the word carefully. Why do we do this? Paul says, because we know, that's confidence, and therefore speak, oh wait, because we know, and the one who raised the Lord Jesus, Ben, there's a lot there, the one that raised the Lord Jesus with, uh, wait, wait, from the dead, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. I'm gonna try real quickly to unpack this, but he's saying the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will rise us from the dead with Christ and then get this, present us back to himself before Jesus. Like that's the whole journey of being a Christian, being a believer in Christ in this world, is that he will redeem us from the world and he will continue to love us in the world and then he will present us with other believers back to himself. What does that mean though? Who cares? Listen, the gospel overcomes our fear of death. That's what it says there. That the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise us also. We will be raised again and presented back to himself. But that's only half of it. I was listening to a podcast this week and it ministered to me so much because it said, for sure the gospel that you believe for salvation delivers you from the fear of death or from death and from sin. Absolutely true. But the same gospel, now hear me out, delivers us from the fear of mankind before death. The same truth that lets us not be afraid of the grave, lets us not be afraid of our neighbors or our coworkers or the person on the street, that we might say something that, that, that's gonna be offensive to them because we believe in Jesus. The same gospel gives us, and, he, and Paul says this in this way, he says, presenting us with you to him. He has this holistic view of the gospel, that, it's, that Jesus Christ will redeem all, hear the word, all that are appointed unto salvation by his own power. That's all of us who believe. And so we're gonna be um, uh, changed in this life, but we're gonna be drawn back to Christ. The gospel saves us from the fear of death and the fear of mankind. And I wonder, and Lorena said this morning, I don't like public speaking. You know what that is? Fundamentally, I'm not saying you don't, but fear of man. 
all these people are going to judge me. I'm going to make a mistake. What if it goes wrong? What if I say something stupid? <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> Just say the stupid thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, because there's no fear of man. And there's no fear of death. And once you don't have a fear of death or a fear of man, you can say pretty much whatever you're thinking and, and, and even be open to correction. I wonder in your own life, why wouldn't you speak the gospel? Why wouldn't you? Verse 14 indicates that we're all in this together. The house that God is bringing us back to himself, a glorious people for his own glory, for his own namesake. Um, I, as you know, um, Little, little snippet into my vacation here, but we had a vacation, it was great, we had a great time, but let me just be honest, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> there were some things that went wrong. And guess what happened? In the middle of the wrong thing, the gospel came out. The gospel came out. You know where it came out first? To me. It came, actually, that's not true. It came out first to others. <laughs> I found myself confessing Christ to someone else <laughs> quite accidentally because I was being an idiot. And I was like, do you not know what the gospel means? This is what the gospel means. And I was trying to explain the gospel because clearly they did not understand. You know why? Because they thought that Christians ought to be perfect people and we're not. No one knows better than us. We're not perfect people. Yet I found myself in the middle of my idiocy confessing Christ to strangers. Strangers. I'm not saying it was effective, but I was. You know why? Because it wasn't here. I then found myself later, realizing I was an idiot, confessing the gospel to myself. That's why Jesus died to save you. That's why the gospel matters to you. I wanna make a case today that you ought to confess the gospel regularly to three people groups, if you will. You ought to confess Christ to others, right? You ought to. Your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people in the street, whoever you bump into. But that's not all. You ought to confess the gospel to yourselves. Apply it to yourselves. Again, this week I was listening to a podcast aimed at pastors, and they were saying that pastors are the people who, lead, who most need to apply the gospel to themselves and so often don't. We believe the lie that we're perfect or ought to be perfect, and we're not. And whenever we're confronted with our sin, then we're like, we have to recognize this is the gospel. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any should boast. You know what that is? Scripture. I will never leave you or forsake you. You know what that is? Scripture. The work that I began to you, I will bring, again, and you all bring to completion on the day. You know what that is? Scripture. It's the gospel for us. But there's a third. We prayed about it earlier in the service. There's an enemy of God, and I think he's a whisperer. He loves just to get in there and needle, you know? And you gotta proclaim the gospel to the devil. I know that's kind of weird to say, <laughs> Proclaim the gospel to the diabolos, the double-tongued one. I love it. You know what the devil says? You're a sinner. And you know what we say? You're right. Devil, you're condemned forever. You know what we say? We ought to be. <laughs> there's no hope for you. You know what we say? Oh, baby, there's Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. I was thinking about this idea of speaking the gospel. Why is that Jesus in the desert with the devil speaks words to him? Couldn't Jesus have just done the Jedi mind trick thing like, and then the devil's like, oh, you know, no. He says, have you not read? Do you not know? Why is Jesus saying the words? Because he's our model, our example. 
the word of God spoken. I'm working on a really weird kind of theological idea that was, came out of our family group, that, that God is omniscient and omnipresent. The word says that he knows every word before one of them comes off of our tongue. He knows what's in our hearts and our minds, right, before we speak it. But guess what? The enemy of God doesn't. He's not omniscient or omnipresent. We give him far too much credit. We ought to rebuke the devil. You know what the word says? Rebuke the devil and he will flee. Not in your power, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Be gone. You have no authority here. So those are the three people groups, if you will, that we get a chance to proclaim the gospel. Looking back at the scripture now, it says, then in 15, or let's see where we're at here. Yeah, 15. All this is for your benefit, church in Corinth. All the things that Paul has said about service and then speaking the word so that the grace that is reaching, listen to the word, more and more. It's plurality and plurality of people. Many and many and many may cause Eucharisto, thanksgiving, to overflow to the glory of God. That that's the end result of our ministry. That ultimately, somehow, by God's grace, more thanksgiving and glory will be given to God. So, speaking is believing. Moving on then here, let's, let's hear this word. 14, or 416, therefore, because we have this ministry, we've been given the opportunity, we, we say the words because we believe, we do not lose heart. And again, that word is the same we've heard earlier in the book about being discouraged, right? About um, being uh, overwhelmed, with, with, like not being able to move forward. We don't lose heart. Though, listen to the word, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So I'm gonna kind of point out three kind of this versus that's that Paul does here. He says, outwardly we are wasting away. We're becoming compressed and pressed in and life is hard. And he said that in this letter, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Isn't it strange that the more that the enemy attacks us, the, the, our, our faith strengthens? We get resolve, we get conviction, we get passion and compassion, and sometimes brothers and sisters come along and they speak the gospel to us and we get, again, internally reinvigorated. That's what we believe. Although outwardly we're wasting away, Paul says it himself that the, the external things look broken and hopeless and all that, but inwardly there's the work of the Spirit in us that's renewing us. The word in the Greek actually means to restore us. Like, can you imagine taking an old house and just like making it all new? The word says that's happening inside of us. So the world looks at the outside, Christ looks at the inside. The world says, oh, this is all broken. The, world, the Lord's like, watch what I'm doing in you. And, and we get to see that. So outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. 17, for our light and momentary troubles, listen to the word, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I don't know how many of you actually consider your problems light. What does the word say? Light and temporary. <laughs> they often feel heavy and pretty permanent, don't they? This disability, this struggle, this illness, this ailment doesn't feel temporary or light at all. But Paul says here, and Paul's one who we know suffered greatly, he says, our light and momentary troubles, I want you to see the word, are achieving. <laughs> They're doing work. Listen, Lorinda got up and shared her heart, man, that the brokenness of our life is achieving, and I'm not saying, that, that's just the reality, an eternal glory. Something far beyond this life. Something far beyond what we can see. 
that far outweighs them all. It says that this light and temporary trouble is achieving a weighty, a, a, a real and eternal glory for all that far outweighs them all. Third, 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So now it goes from a temporary seen thing to an unseen eternal thing. These two contradictions again that he says, that here's the reality, that we live in the now and the not yet. That as believers in Christ, and I want to, to really go with me here on this, that we have tasted the glory of God, that we got invited to the table for the first time, that we heard the gospel and we said, maybe that's for us. And then you begin to follow Jesus and he's wooing us or winning us into this eternal glory that is the weight, I, I love this phrase, by the way, it comes right from this text, the weight of glory. The weight of glory that we do not deserve. The weight of glory that we did not know we even longed for. But the reality is in our faith, we live in the now and the not yet. Because even though we see right now what God is doing, there's things that we hope for and long for. Paul makes it clear, chapter five, verse one. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, what's he talking about? Death. If our earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because we are, when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, and that literally means, I would talk about this, it's skin-a in the Greek, it's S-K-E-N-E, -E, it means our skin. As long as we're in this tent, um, we groan and we are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and given us the spirit as deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He says we have this light and momentary problems, eternal glory coming. We see things are temporary, but there are unseen things that are perpetual or permanent. And he says we've been given this earthly tent and when it's destroyed, we'll have a building from God that will inherit an eternal home. You know, you may have heard that stuff preached in the church before, right? Like an eternal home and all that. You know, I'm going ahead of you to make a place for you and I'm gonna come back to take you to be with me. But I started thinking, about this idea of, of our bodies being a tent. And what, is that, what does that really mean? How many of you like to camp? Any of you like to camp? Two, three, four. That's about right, statistically speaking. Most people don't like to camp. <laughs> or if you do, you have a camper, a camper van. I, have some, I'm gonna, I brought something this morning I'm gonna share with you. Stay where you are, talk amongst yourselves. Or you can leave too. I mean, you don't have to stay here if you don't want to. It's fine, I understand. And we are going to wrap up, I promise. But I, you know, I can't, I can't bring this, I can't bring this two weeks in a row. This is ridiculous. So I'm just bringing it once. And this is why I had to get at least to this place and then we'll stop, right? But look at this, huh? That's my earthly tent. That's literally my tent. It's called the frog tent. It's super cool. This is only part of the tent. Actually, because the rest of it, you have to table it to the ground. I don't know. It's complicated, but that's my tent. Look at how strong it is. Look, you can stay in here. It keeps out bears and 
other predators. Dean's shaking his head, no. Yes, it does. Dean, Dean, Dean. Yes, it does. Okay, so here it is. I want to share. Last year, I did a motorcycle trip from around Texas, my brother-in-law, and we took that. And I'll show you. I got a picture. There it is. Look. It's got like a covering thingy on it. Look how much more better it is now, Dean. Huh? Yeah. By the way, camping on the beach, terrible idea. Worst idea we've ever had. Uh, go ahead, one more picture forward. That sand piled up around the edges was also piled up right inside the tent with me. It just blew right through the screen. <laughs> Who knew? But, and it was hot and hard and miserable in there. And I just couldn't hardly sleep. I just prayed, oh God, get me through the night. Just in the morning to get us out of here. And my brother-in-law made an oath before the Lord to never sleep on a beach again. That's what we decided, never. It's, it's like, sounds good. Terrible idea. Oh, you know where else we took Wild in the desert. We went in the desert, Dean, in this tent. Look, here's us in the desert. We sat up there. The next morning, some gentleman came over and he said, you boys camped here? Boys, that's always a good sign. And we go, well, well, yeah. And he goes, there's like four inch thorns all throughout this whole, all this. You should probably poke the hole in your tires and your tent. And you know, by the grace of God, we didn't. Because <laughs> we got into like 11 o'clock at night. We couldn't even see what we were doing. You know, we were like foaming around in the dark with the headlight thing on. You know, we're just trying to, whatever. My brother-in-law, who never misses an opportunity to enjoy my presence, took this picture. But what you might, and you know, there's no rain fly on it. You know why? Because it was like a thousand degrees in Texas. That's why. I, I just need airflow. Look at that. I couldn't get airflow in there. And so he took this picture. Oofta. Oofta. Easy. All right. Take, take that away. He thought it was hilarious. He said, were you naked in that tent? I said, no. I had some clothes on. I was hot. He was in that other fancy tent, by the way. That's what the Bible means when it says we live in an earthly tent. That, Dean's right, that can't keep out hardly anything. Matter of fact, I'm probably like a burrito in that thing for a wild animal, just like, oh, he packs himself for me to eat him because there's no room in there to do anything. And yet, by God's providence, we, we're fine. But even if that tent were destroyed, now what? You'd have a building, a heavenly home that doesn't blow around in the wind, that doesn't get destroyed. The word says it this way, we long to be clothed by our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That what dies can be swallowed up by true life. We long for our eternal home, our solid home, our stable home, our reliable home. That's what Christ puts in us. And he says, lastly here, and we're gonna stop here, and this is short. I know it doesn't feel like it, but this is, we're gonna cover the next point next week. Um, it is God who made us for this very purpose. We were made for this. Let me tell you this right now. When you're feeling your fragility, when you're feeling your uncertainty, when you're feeling those moments where it requires absolute faith to believe in Christ, God made you for that moment. That vulnerability, that honesty is no accident. And he says this, and God has given us the spirit as deposit, guaranteeing the homes to come, that the gospel might resonate in our souls, in the now and the not yet. 
And so I wonder then in your life, whenever you know you realize you're in a tent, <laughs> you realize it's pretty fragile, do you find yourself leaning into the gospel of Jesus again? Do you find yourself quoting back to your own soul the texts that have been spoken over you by the Heavenly Father? Because that's the journey of faith. And when the world mocks and ridicules and does what the world does, you know what we do? We stand in Jesus. Yep, yep. But guess what? Jesus is the way, and he's the way for every person that we encounter. Um, I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna, I wanna read, um, Proverbs, or I'm sorry, um, the Psalm that that quote comes from. Psalm 116, I love the Lord because he hears my voice. He heard me cry out for his mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on his name as long as I shall live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. And the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I might walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, and therefore I speak. I am greatly afflicted, and in my dismay I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all of his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call all the more on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your very midst, O Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much that despite our circumstance and despite this wandering path that we're on, that you love us eternally, that you have guaranteed us an eternal home. I pray, Father, this morning that those who are here in the room and those who are maybe listening online or watching, that they would know this for themselves, that your Holy Spirit would compel us to faith, that you love us so much that you would send your son to die that we don't have to. And then, Father, that as we continue to follow you in this life, that we would grow all the more into the real from, from the fake and temporary, from the, from the temporary structures into the real eternal home that you've developed for us. Father God, we thank you for your grace and your grace and your grace all the more as the day approaches. May we be found faithful before you. And may we never, never be ashamed to say the word. We pray this would happen for your glory and our good. Amen.